Hi, hello, this is the ninth demonstration of the broadcast system. Material is uh, sort of trickling in uh, that we will uh, we, that we will post on here from other people as everyone gets to grips with the technology. There's still nothing from Bennett, which means that uh, if his original message to me about this was accurate, and I've no reason to think it wasn't, he has been extemporizing for the last 160 hours. Uh, oh, something has just arrived from uh, Gareth Edwards and uh, and Marie Phillips is doing one too. And we're also working out how to record sitcoms. Uh, but uh, ex uh, the plans are slightly delayed because we've been worrying about the technology for tomorrow, candidly, uh, for tomorrow's live broadcast at eight. Email talltalesnight at gmail if you if you want, if, you if you're coming, please tell me. It would be very helpful. Uh, today's today's story is from November 2010, I think. It's been a quiet week in Kilburn. I think because everyone's incredibly busy. Uh, that is certainly true for me, and it's certainly true for my friend Ben McGerald, who's an Irish guy, uh, Northern Irish, like there's a difference, and he's skinny and about... Um, I'm not actually sure. You could tell me he's anything from five foot eleven to six one, and I'd believe you. And he wears steel rimmed glasses, and he lives on Charteris Road in a flat which seems to be made entirely of mezzanines slotted between the floors of the flat next door. It feels really quite odd when you're in there. He doesn't live with his annoying girlfriend Annika, which is with Annika a sore point. Annika really is annoying. Ben finds her annoying. His friends find her annoying. Even her friends find her annoying. Some people are annoying. It's a pity for them, but there it is. I mean, at least she doesn't realise it. I suppose that's a good thing, though that is one of the annoying things about her. Annika constantly demands, for instance, that Ben spends quality time with her, and she defines quality time without any sense of irony or self-knowledge as time spent doing the things she wants to do, such as yoga and watching Chelsea on the telly. She also publicly belittles Ben's trivial humdrum job as a civil servant procurement expert. Now she's in financial PR, by the way. Not that there's anything wrong with that, except that for some reason she refers to it as a creative profession. Uh, and Ben knows that civil service procurement is actually incredibly important. Although, as it happens, he isn't in civil service procurement. He's a spy. And he could tell Annika he's allowed to. He's not a super secret spy, but he didn't. He's just in intelligence. Uh, but he didn't tell her the first year because he's cautious. Like many people in intelligence, and he didn't for the next five years because he's been trying to split up with her. His method is the hint, which doesn't work because she can't take hints, which is another annoying trait. And he knows he should deal with the problem, but he's somehow always been too busy spying. And he's particularly busy at the moment preparing for a conference. Uh, like not a conference for spies, obviously. Well, I don't know, obviously. I, I don't know if spies have conferences, but a conference that he's spying on. And it's about Arctic seabed resource allocation, which is just this very important subject. 
The Arctic holds the world's biggest untapped fossil fuel deposits. People hadn't paid much attention until a few years ago because of all the ice, but that started melting. And then a beardy Russian explorer come professor, come politician guy called Artur Chelangarov, who mostly works in Lake Baikal, hopped out of a nuclear submarine in a diving suit somewhere under the North Pole and planted a flag on the seabed and claimed it for the motherland. Hence this conference. Uh, gosh, this was a time when fossil fuels, you know, were... I mean, fossil fuels are still important. Anyway, I'll carry on. It's very important, this conference, like I say. But, uh, and Ben is acutely aware of this. The delegates are like the cast of a mad comic opera. They include a Russian energy baron called Vasily Katorsky, and Ben specialises in these Russian energy barons. They're ex-KGB gangsters, basically. And five years ago, he worked out that when Katorsky's company let Kazakhstan off three months of gas bills, it wasn't because of a secret deal reinvading Chechnya or something, but it was actually because Katorsky had a new Kazakh mistress whose terrifying grandmother would have forbidden her from seeing him if he cut off the power to her homeland. It gratified Katorsky's self-image to make this hundred billion dollar gesture. He fancies himself as a romantic bandit lover, which he's not. He's, he's a horrible psychopathic arsehole. But how many people see themselves is important if you want to know what they're going to do next. And that's Ben's job. hundred billion dollars is a lot to pay uh, for sex. Ben reckons it's up there with the most expensive sex anyone's ever had, depending on how you do the maths. Uh, costing sex is pretty difficult, as I dare say we all know. In addition to Katorsky, there's the Canadian delegate, whose back is so bad she avoids any meeting longer than 20 minutes, and whose halitosis is so bad people only schedule meetings with her that will last longer than 20 minutes. Uh, there are a Swede and an American who had an affair at a previous energy conference and now won't speak to each other. And a Norwegian, I mean, oh, this is an amazing story in and of itself, whose brother married a Filipino woman off the internet who then divorced him and who is now claiming half their family business, which is Norway's biggest chain of garden centres. Uh, this Norwegian is uh, racially short-sighted and a screw went loose in his brain and he has lost the ability to distinguish between a random Filipino woman off the internet and the Chinese government and he's got it into his head that China has hatched an inexplicable conspiracy to steal his garden centres. Like, this guy is part of the Norwegian government. I mean, it's incredible. And, and the conference as a whole is under the haphazard leadership, uh, for want of a better word, of a lazy and ironical Liechtensteiner called Caroline Sondrion, who rightly suspects that her colleagues at the UN made her head of the International Seabed Authority as a witty diplomatic joke predicated on the fact that Liechtenstein is one of the world's two double landlocked countries. So, what we have is a barely scrutinised nuclear race for countless billions of dollars in the hands of a ragtag collection of gangsters, lunatics, distracted businessmen and jaded bureaucrats. At best, this is an Ealing comedy. At worst, it's strange love in the Arctic. Incredibly, this is how the world works.
sometimes a few hastily informed non-experts have to sit down in a room and make decisions about something vital to all our lives. And all you can do is hope that they're humble and well-advised. Ben is under no illusions that this could be the most important week in his life. He could change the world. He could materially help alter the energy outcomes for millions of people, especially if this conference ends up setting a precedent about flag planting, because who knows what that might mean for like, the moon and so on. That's why China is so interested. And one thing Ben has learned as a spy, probably the single biggest thing, is that people are just these guys. They're supposed to think about natural gas and energy geopolitics, but really they just want to stand up and rest their back, or to get away from smelly breath woman for five minutes, or, or to corner the Chinese delegate and ask him what the hell his government wants a garden centre in Trondheim for. Ben could easily spend 24 hours a day trying to understand these guys, and who knows if he'd get it right even then. They'll draw some lines in the end, but who finds the gas will still be luck, and the results are 10 to 15 years off, and who knows what the world will even look like in 10 years' time. Humans aren't built to concentrate on that timescale. They're built to focus on what affects them day to day. Annika, for instance, she affects Ben every day, badly. But Ben isn't concentrating on Annika either. What he spends every spare moment thinking about is the list he's trying to learn by next Tuesday of all the US state capitals, along with their nicknames and other pertinent geographical facts. And the reason is that two months ago, Ben became captain of the Least Weasels, a team struggling to survive in the top division of the Quiz League of London, which is this hardcore league where teams of four people, I mean, I could say men, it's, it's almost all men, uh, play against each other with individual questions and so on. I mean, I say hardcore, it's hardcore. Ben hadn't been in a team of any kind since he was 14 uh, before he joined the Weasels. And in his first game, he played against two former masterminds and an egghead. And he did okay, although uh, they crushed the weasels and now he loves it. He became the weasels captain under quite controversial circumstances. It was a big QLL scandal. Their previous captain and star player who had kept them up in the top division previously, who makes his living playing quiz machines, was poached by the Rotten Eggs who are based down in Peckham at a pub called the Montpellier. Ben took over captaincy because no one else would, and he quickly realised that the team had no chance of staying up anymore, unless one of them learnt the quiz basics that had always been swept up by their previous captain. These are these are like there are topics that turn up quiz in and quiz out because hard-pressed question setters have to turn to them in search of reliably, easily verified facts. So, so you have to learn the kings and the queens and the prime ministers and the presidents, uh, and then. He's going to do your estates, and he's doing that now. And then which rivers run through which cities? And then he'll tackle the Everest of quizzing military history. Now, Ben may or may not be able to positively affect global energy outcomes at this conference. And he might not know how to create a hint so clear that even Annika can pick it up. 
But the least weasels went down to Peckham last week and they scrambled the rotten eggs in their home saucepan in that one of the great upsets in QLL history. And it was precisely because Ben had learned to distinguish between the various early Henrys. And as a result of that tiny little thing, he was on a high for two days. And he knows this is ridiculous. He sometimes thinks of his relationship with the important and unimportant things in the world in terms of scales. At one of the times Annika didn't let him go to the pub, she made him watch a David Attenborough DVD in which these little ducklings jump out of their nests and land on beds of leaves and waddle off after their mothers. It's incredibly cute. He has to admit, he had to admit that. The ducklings are just so small that they bounce off the big hard world. If the wrong treaty gets signed next week, or even if Ben somehow accidentally ends up marrying Annika, things can be renegotiated down the line. Either way, the world will be the world, and Ben will bounce off it. He explained all this the other night to a woman called Maud Adams, who is who's, who's Ben's CIA counterpart, who isn't giving the conference her full attention either. Uh, rather against her will, she's thinking a lot about Ben. After he told her all this stuff about ducklings, it was very late and they were very tired and they had got a bit hysterical reading transcripts of the Norwegian guy's conversations with his increasingly bemused Chinese envoy. Ben tried to kiss Maud and Maud was not surprised and she wanted to kiss him back. But she didn't because Maud is not a rotten egg. She knows that Ben is wrong about scales and he's making a mistake that he of all people should not be making. The classic error spies should protect governments from is faulty mirror imaging. The natural human assumption that other people are thinking the same way you are. So on the scales front, a duckling can bounce off the world, but a rock falling on a duckling will squash it flat. Annika is 33, and she has been going out with Ben for six years. And you and I know that these are important years, however much Ben is in denial. Annika trivialises Ben's job and his interests, but Ben trivialises Annika. And in this context, she's the duckling, and Ben's the rock she can't see falling. And the longer it takes, the harder it's going to hit. That is what Maud told Ben, in no uncertain terms. And Ben got it, finally, much too late. And next Thursday, after the conference, not in hints, he is going to split up with Annika. I think. I mean, like, you can never be certain. But I think he is. And if he doesn't, Ben, well, he certainly doesn't deserve Maud, and he won't get her. But uh, I think... He will. And that, such as it is, is the news from Kilburn. That was an interesting story to rediscover. I mean, on one level, it sort of doesn't go anywhere in the Kilburn stories. Those characters never recur. But on another level, the bones of it are something that I've been working on, on and off for the next 10 years. 
in different ways. That seems like it might be quite a boring thing to be telling people, but you know, well, I've done it now and I don't have time to keep editing this. I'm not the queen. So we will finish today with the finale of the lovely musical Much Ado About Nothing Much. No, absolutely not. I misspeak the finale of the lovely musical A Midwinter Night's Dream. quite an important historical document that song because it is a mighty fin finale which is not about the essential message that the truth lies somewhere in between anyway that's us for today hope you're well be good to each other uh tall tales out